are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Though it's, uh, I, I'm going to say a teaching type message, I'm very excited uh, to deliver it today. First and Second Timothy and, and Titus are pastoral letters. They're a letter to preachers. Paul won both these preachers to Christ. He called Timothy my own son in the faith. He had won him to Christ. He won Titus to Christ, my own son in the faith. And, and, and Paul is instructing these preachers with these three books. I love, I try to live in these books. I want to be a good minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says that in chapter 4, back up. Chapter 4, verse 6, he's telling Timothy, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good, what? A minister, a good servant of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And so Paul says, young, young Timothy, and he was young, verse 12, let no man despise thy youth. We are finding that Timothy may have been about 30, 38, 39, 40. He was rather young with the responsibility that God entrusted to his care. And, and he's saying that don't, don't let anybody despise, look down on your position. Someone one time said to me, they said years ago when I was young, they said, uh, you'd be a great CEO of a company. Oh, no, I'd be a failure. Someone once in a while said, you'd be a great politician. Oh, no, I'd be a failure because God didn't call me to stoop to those jobs. God gave me a high calling to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is trying to instruct them because the influences that were coming in to these churches was false influence. As Paul writes to these, pre these two preachers, he was worried and concerned about the fact the church at Ephesus, same, same time, the church at Colossae, same time, they were being seduced by wealth. They began to equate their success with wealth. Ephesus was a seaport town. And the ships were coming in, and historians tell us that it was just wealth that was exuding. It was just money everywhere. And, and, and Colossae was a little inland, and they were trading, and those cities were also very busy with activity. There was low unemployment. The 401ks were doing well. The stock market had reached a high. And that philosophy began to introduce itself to these churches. And that's why Paul, he instructs the church at Ephesus so very carefully. It's a book of doctrine. The church at Colossae was a church that moved into Gnosticism and is trying to correct the Gnosticism. And of course, the church at Galatia, they, they were adding the law to grace. A lot of confusion going on. So Paul writes these preachers, and throughout 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, if you read it this week, it's very short reading, six chapters, four chapters, three chapters, very easy reading. You'll find that the, the preachers are being commissioned to go help the people get their lives in order, especially this area of finances and theology. They had this idea that people could teach whatever they wanted. Look in our text by way of introduction, chapter 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise, 
and consent not to wholesome words. That's why in these three books, he keeps talking about sound doctrine, sound mind, sound teaching. There needs to be some substance, and the substance is the word of God. And he says, if any man teach otherwise, consent not to, uh, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to that doctrine, there's that word again, which is according to godliness. Paul introduces this word godliness. You're gonna find it 10 times in this book. You're gonna find it one time in 2 Timothy and one time in Titus, 12 times in these few chapters. Godliness, what is godliness? Godliness is to be God-like. My question for all of us this year, the last Sunday in February compared to last year at this time, are we more God-like? Are we more godly? Are we being sucked into false doctrine and not to wholesome words? God says that these people that teach that way, the next verse, they're proud. He's proud. They're bringing in things that are not wholesome doctrine. They're proud. Are your friends proud even theologically, arrogant? You know, when you approach the Word of God, when we preach the Word of God, when we teach the Word of God, and when we school our children around the, uh, around the Word of God, there always has to be a humility of heart. In this office, in the ready room upstairs, in the chapel, Dr. Bobby Robertson prayed a prayer 30 years ago. I was in his church preaching, and at the close of the service, he said, Lord, help us to walk humbly. Help us to confess our sins. Help us to be real. I have that everywhere around here. Help us to walk humbly. God resisted the proud. And when we start to think at Ephesus and we begin to start to think at Colossians, we've got this under control. Man, our, our money, our money's making it. Well, we're doing great. We're okay. God, don't bug us. If we need you, 411, we'll call you. But until that time, there's an arrogancy. And a man that comes in and a woman that comes in and they bring doctrine that's not based on the, well, I feel it this way. What I see, how I see it, that's pride. And God says he is proud, knowing nothing. It's amazing how, oh, I'm so deep in the word of God, but you know nothing. You know nothing. Look what else he says. But doting about questions. What is doting? We don't use that word. We use it differently with doting on our children. But doting literally means like your mind has gotten old. It's, and I'm not saying this disrespectful. Because in my family, many folks have had it. You've got Alzheimer's. You don't put it together. You think you're so smart with your pride, but you don't get it together. You're all confused. And in your pride, you will never humble yourself because nobody can teach you anything. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Guard this. They're doting about with questions. Well, I tell you what, I believe, and it's amazing today. I hear it every week in my life all across this country. People are questioning the historic doctrines of faith. Jude, verse number three. God's word says, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write and exhort you that you should earnestly contend, fight for the faith. For there are certain men crept in among you. Ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, no restraint, no rules. Well, I don't believe in rules. Well, God does, he gave us 10 commandments. 
Life is made up of rules. You don't like the rules, then go on the freeway and drive 150 miles an hour right now. You'll be pulled over and be thrown in jail. Rules are necessary for life. Rules are necessary for safety. And when a person in the church doesn't want any rules in their life, it's because they want to make the rules for everyone else. That's called narcissism. These rules apply to you, but nothing applies to me because I know more than you. And that's what he's dealing with. Where it cometh envy, the result of it's envy and strife and railings. What is railings? No barriers. No barriers. I don't want any barriers put up in my life. I don't want to be, and that's why it starts with masters, your bosses. If you will not obey your boss, your employer, that's why verse one and two talks about a relationship with your employer. You gotta have to get along with your employer. And he brings it into the church. And evil surmisings. What is surmising? I'm just sort of guessing what I believe. Whatever I want it to believe, that's what I, I believe. It goes on, perverse. Disputing the men of corrupt minds. Destitute of the truth. Oh, I got the truth. No, you don't have any truth. You're destitute of the truth. And it goes back to the lack of humility or pride. And, and he says, destitute of truth, supposing, here's this word he introduces, it's gonna be an important word. Supposing that gain. Well, I have, I have this uh, doctrine and I'm doting about and I have my words and, uh, and, I, and I, I, I dispute with people and I'm always questioning everything. Remember last Sunday on I Love My Church, we were over there in, in 1 Corinthians 13 and they gives 15 ingredients of love. Love thinketh no evil. In other words, love is not suspicious. Well, I tell you what, what is this church? Oh, I tell you what, this youth group, this school, you're always suspicious that everything, you're narcissistic is what you are. It goes back to the root. You were, you were as a child, you were out of control as a child. The whole world revolved around you and you've carried it into adulthood. I hope one day, and I'm not old, but I hope you'll get old like me, older like me one day, and you can look back on life, and I can see it in so many people. Our childhood always reveals itself in our adulthood. Though I'm not an expert in any of your fields, I don't know how to even use a computer. I barely know how to use a cell phone, and that's not very good. But I tell you what, I feel like God's given me the privilege to become predominantly, and I know it sounds proud, an expert about reading people. I go to churches and preach all these 40-some years, and as I go, I ask the pastor, please don't tell me about any problem in your church. I don't want to know a problem. I don't want to know who the treasurer is. I don't know, I don't know who the deacons are. I don't know where you're having problems, because every church has them. But boy, I tell you what, it's fun to preach. And when I preach or quote some scripture, I'll scan the crowd. I was in the East Coast and a guy in the back row, that's normally where the treasure sits or the deacon sit. I got off on money somehow and this guy bowed up. And the more I said about it, I watched, I said, that's the, that's the treasure of the church. Because he who handles the money generally handles the church. Oh, he was not happy. I said to the pastor afterwards, taking me to the hotel, I said, your treasure sat in the back row. And I goes, how'd you know that? 
You can just start to read people. My school teachers would do that to me all the time. They say, in mathematics, here's a question, and I'm just going to look for someone. And whenever I, when they, they were asking a question, I always put my head down like I wasn't. Well, that's a dead giveaway. He doesn't know. And she'd say, or he would say, Mr. Treber, second grade, uh, Jack, you answer this. When a child looks away, it means they don't have the answer. Well, that's just thrown in there for free. Still an introduction. Supposing that gain is godliness. My influence is godliness. I'm so godlike. I, I've searched the scriptures. No one's telling me. I'm not asking you not to know the scriptures. Many of you might know more than I do, but do it with a hum humble heart. Well, I tell you what, I gotta, I'm going to have to analyze that message some more. You never go to church to be an analyzer. I have preached in Baptist churches, yes, but I've preached in all sorts of Baptist churches. I don't sit there and analyze this song or that song or this special or this duet. I don't go there, analyze. We started right at 11 o'clock this morning. We walked in, sat down, and I said, Brother Luke, 11 o'clock. But I go to some places, they start at 10 minutes after 7, 15 after 7, whenever they want to get there. You know how much it bothers me? Zero. I'm not the pastor of that church. I don't, they want to start late, they can. I don't care. I don't, I don't care who sings a solo. I don't, sing, I don't care what the song was. That's up to them. I'm talking about the fact that the Bible says, supposing that gain is godliness, what's the last line in verse 5? From such withdraw thyself. Good preacher friend of mine of a large church told me recently, and they've had some troubles in the church, and this staff member took people out, started another one, not a Baptist church, but this one had some, and, and he says, you know what, Brother Traber? He said, here's what I do. He said, I start praying for my enemies. I'm supposed to, people that are against me. And I say something like this for about three months every day and throughout the day. Lord, I don't even like that person. And I'm, I, I'm not having a good time to wish good on them. I don't want you to kill them, but just I don't like them. They've done me, they've done this church, they've done my wife, they've done our people wrong. I, I don't like this person. They're not good people. They're destroying our church. And he said to me, after about three months, my heart softens. And I say, Lord, and I can always tell when the hurt and the anguish begins to die. And he says, here's what I do. I then let it go. I just let it go. I'm not going to get, people that I've brought wrong doctrine, he said, I'm not going to get on an elevator with them. I'm not going to ride in the same car with them. I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to withdraw myself from them. But I'm not going to do it out of hatred. The first three months, it was anger. I wish we'd just get honest with God. I don't want the sun to go down on my wrath, but to tell you, there are so many times in my life where people have hurt the cause of Christ because they're, they're so proud and so arrogant. I'm not to my message, or I'm an introduction. We're having a good time, though. So he says in verse number six, he introduces this gain and godliness. But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
And there have been messages preached, and I don't agree, I don't believe it's what it's talking about at all, because he's using it negatively up to this point. And, he's, and some people say, you live godly, you're going to have gain. That's the get rich mentality of Christianity. But you know what that is? That's the society of the day. When the spirit of society, it's all about money. When the spirit of society, of success, Laodicea, uh, Laodicea they, they thought they were successful. Uh, Colossae, they were successful. The trade, the business. Uh, Ephesus, very successful. The, the seaport, everything was rolling in, going, gunning, running. And the philosophy of the day invades the church. The church self-destructs. Because the church should not be influenced by the philosophy of the day. I, I brought with me here and I won't say the church's name, but here's a church in our area. I read this about a year or so ago to you. Church for real people. It's family friendly. Listen to this. It's for your children. We refuse to bore kids with Jesus. That's what they call an evangelical church. It's a Protestant type church. It's not a Baptist church. Though the young man said to me, I almost came to Bible college here. We refuse to bore children with Jesus. Well, that's what this is all about. More, more about Jesus. Uh, the same thing is true in Texas, same type of church. And in Northern California. And, and Pastor Cooper, the same is true in West Virginia. There are a dime a dozen all over this country. We don't want to bore your children with Jesus. Here's a church that gave you, I won't read them all, 10 reasons why to come to our church. You'll get out of church in time to watch the 49er game. You can wear flip-flops and shorts without feeling awkward. I won't read the rest, it's too confidential, I guess. Here's one, we'll give you movie tickets, you come to our church. Here's one that says this, and I'm careful how I say this with younger people here, a series on marriage, and this week it's how to stay married in the bedroom. The pulpit's sacred, ladies and gentlemen. There are some words and some actions and some things we just don't talk about in mixed company. It's appropriate. Here's one says, it, listen to this. This is a violation of honor thy father and thy mother. You come to our church, it's a church, but your parents would not approve. God says, honor thy father and mother shall be well with thee. It's amazing. It's, it's like the church that, that Paul is writing to Timothy. You've got to guard against these things. Here, here's a statement. Gay or straight here, no hate here. Well, I don't use the word gay, but sodomites are more than welcome in our church. Everybody's welcome in our church. But because the Bible declares that sodomy is sin, that does not mean that's hate. It's an abomination in the sight of God, he calls it. And God gave us over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are convenient, uh, not convenient. And the Bible says men burning their, their lust with men and women with women. God created Adam and Eve, male and female. 
and we try to redefine what the Word of God is saying? No, friend, you don't have the right to redefine the Word of God, neither do I. I won't read any more of these, but there's several more you could come to. So it comes to this statement, godliness, godlike, a reverence, a holiness. My job is to get you and me to be more holy, more godlike, more Christ-like, not division, not strife, and not evil surmisings. And then he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. The last word is gain. And gain is to get or to receive. But this pastor was fighting this philosophy of the day and the worldliness of the day that had been invading the church and it was showing up in wrong theology. The church is here to influence society. Society is not here to influence us. Well, you know, we look so strange, we're Christians. We're not to adapt to the world, we're to adapt to God. We're to be God-like. We answer to God, not man. And so it is. You say, well, I hear statements like this. I hear it every week of my life. Boy, the equity in my house is going up so high. I'm doing real well, I got so much equity. That's what he's talking about here. We got all this gain. The philosophy of the success of Colossae, the success of Ephesus. It's amazing. Paul doesn't correct the church at Philippi. He says rejoice 18 times or joy, but he says no man communicated with me. No church shared with me, gave of their wealth, but ye. And not only do God minister to my needs for my God to supply all your need, you supplied all my wants. God's going to meet my wife's needs. But my life is dedicated to meet every one of her wants. And that's what Philippi was doing. And so these other churches began to have these philosophies coming in. And he correct, go back and read this week, uh, Galatians. Go back and read Ephesians. Go back and read Colossae. And, and see that these preachers were trying to deal with the invasion of false doctrine coming in. It'll illuminate your mind. And so he says, he says, well, I hear, oh, I hear people say, my stocks are just going crazy. Well, God bless you but they're probably going to tank. You don't think this inflated market's going to continue, and when it tanks, it will, will it tank? It'll tank worldwide. Look how fast the corona disease, I think, did I say it right? I don't know, what, whatever. The, the disease has affected stock markets in other nations of the world already. Look how it's affected travel already, just one disease. But now Africa is having the plague of the, the, the plague of the locusts. And the locusts are eating up all the fields, and they can eat up a large field in 30 seconds. Tens of thousands of locusts are invading, and starvation's coming. I got home from prayer last night. My, my wife said, I'm so burdened about one of our missionaries, this lady in a, a, a third world country. Every Sunday they run thousands of people, but it's in a poor, poor city. And this lady, the pastor's wife, been there about as long as we've been here. She said she is making food, and she makes food out of her own pocket. She goes, I'm going to send that lady some money. Because she, these people are so hungry. These are Christians and non-Christians. They're so hungry. 
Brother, you, you, you've been to the countries, you've seen it, Brother Boos, and it's just sad. And I'm not speaking against any particular country, but we've been so many times to Elo, Elo, Philippines. And I know Manila, you can even see people that at times are overweight because there's some more success. You can see the squatters there as well. But you go to Elo, Elo, if you ever see a dog on the street, you'll always see its ribs. They're hungry. And it doesn't take very much for that country to not have the rice that they need. So I've been so burdened about getting these 400 churches in the Philippines. Testing comes, God's people need a church. And this Paul was writing to him and said, you gotta, gotta, gotta not be living for this immediate here. And I got my future all set up. Boy, my 401s are doing great. I'm making, I've heard, I'm making so much money, I don't know what to do with it. Don't tell a Baptist preacher that. Because I always say, I know what you can do with it. The goal is not money gain. He deals with that a little later where they began to gain off of people making merchandise religiously of them for filthy lucre's sake. The goal first is godliness. I have them all marked in my First and Second Timothy and Titus, but godliness... You find it three time, three time, four, four times right here. Verse number three is godliness. And verse number five is godliness. And verse number six, godliness. And verse number 11 is, 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 is godliness again. And you find it as you go back to chapter number, chapter number four, and verse number seven is godliness. And, and verse number eight, bodily exercise profit little, but godliness is profitable. He finds through this time, he's, he's trying to emphasize, pastor, emphasize godliness. Not the world's attire. Not the philosophy of this world. Not we'll do our God thing and get you out of church so you can go home to watch a pigskin go up and down the football field. The answer for America is old time Bible preaching. And so he says the goal is not to get gain, but the goal is contentment. We're missing the word contentment. I wish I had time. For the sake of time, I won't go you back. I was going to take you back to showing chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, and verse 19 and 20, and chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, how they're going to be departing from the faith. And verse number seven, refuse profane and old wise fables, exercise ourselves rather than the godliness. But I'm afraid we're trying to gain the world. We're trying to gain the flesh. We're trying to gain our pride and our ego and who we are and our standing. But look at what the verse says. Godliness, God-like. It doesn't go from godliness to gain. Godliness has a word between godliness and gain. It's contentment. What is contentment? It's enough. And he's using first, just get enough of this. Not your wives' tables, fables, and, and not your questions and genealogies that lead rather to doubt and envy and strife and confusion and every evil work. Uh, don't get all wrapped up in, but, 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 
but rather I'm content with the preserved old King James Bible. Brother Evans preaching the B Sunday school teens and the C Sunday school teens and our youth pastors there, Spanish youth pastors, they're all over there in the chapel right now in a big service. He gave me a book last night about D.L. Moody and I've not read it, I just sort of thumbed through it. I saw it this morning and he said, when I, when I began to preach the gospel in the 1800s, and of course he didn't have all these verses, he goes, and he says right there, I, I brought myself an old King James Bible. I just started preaching it. There's not multiple ways of salvation. There's not multiple Bibles. God's preserved his word. He's promised he would do that. And yet we have the Bible, the month club. Why is that? So we can water down the truth of the word of God. I was given in 1969 I still have it in my library for reference, a, a book, it was a Bible, good news for, uh, I think it was good news for modern man. And they took the word blood out 700 times in the Bible. But God's word says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There had to be a covering for our sin. And when man gets so arrogant, he thinks he could, well, this verse doesn't really say that. A preacher was summoned to a lady's house and she was dying Pardon me, her husband was dying. And he said, I came, I just ran over here. I don't have my Bible with me. Can I, can I read from your Bible before you step off into eternity? And they gave him a Bible. And that Bible had verses cut out, chapters cut out, pages cut out. And it was just a mess. And the preacher said to the man before his death, he said, what's with your Bible? He said, Pastor, you've been my shepherd and pastor all these years. And when you'd preach and say, this verse is not really in the Bible, I'd just go home and cut it out. This text is not really in the Bible, or this is not what it means. I'd just cut it out, and that's what I was left with. Well, why do you have to get so theologically smart that you have to always, I don't understand, I don't think that King James Bible's preserved word of God. You missed your calling, you should be a preacher. Can't wait to see your church. Because you'll attract divisive people. And that's what even happens in the New Testament church. Are your friends divisive? Are your friends full of pride and envy? Doting about? Smizing? God says it's so dangerous. So he says, I, I want you to know the root of all this is contentment. Notice what he says. For we brought nothing in this world. Certainly we can carry nothing out. You've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. There it is again, enough. And they that will be rich, oh, I gotta be rich. I gotta, I, gotta have, I gotta have a lot of money in the bank. I gotta have my 401Ks. I gotta have my stock market. I gotta have a lot of equity in my house. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which have, some having coveted after have erred from the faith. When money gets us, we'll go down wrong paths. I believe by the grace of God, we'll still be paying a house off till I'm in my 90s. And I'd like to have something we could leave for our kids. But I believe if my wife came to me and said, let's sell it. And let's invest it in God's work. And that would not surprise me she'd ever say that. 
I wouldn't have to pray about it. We sing a tent or a cottage, why should I care? We have never tried to build equity for the equity flight. And I'm not saying you can't do that. But I just, I'd caution you about it. The first thing you look for when you leave here, is there a soul-winning, separated, godly, Christ-honoring church? I've had so many people through the years said, I, I, we're moving, Pastor. Good, that's all right. God can move people. Where you go to church? Well, we think there's a pretty good church a few miles away from us. What are you doing? The most important thing in your family's life is the house of God. And your church ought to mirror your home and your home ought to mirror the church and you ought to work in harmony together to have a testimony that honors God. Well, that's 12.02. I'm out of time. Godness is revealed in holiness, in kindness, in giving. And then God says you get gain. But don't look at the gain as being money because he refutes money after this. We hold the things of this life very loosely. We're not trying to amass down here. God's word says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, not treasure on earth. God's word says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I wish I could tell you the last part of my message. I'm asking you this week to consider First and Second Timothy and Titus. I'm asking you to take the book of Galatians. See their, their problems. And what Paul, at the same exact time, all about 64, 65 A.D., uh, see what the problems that he, he was telling Timothy, you're going to have to preach about this. And Paul was saying, you're going to have to preach about this at, at, at Ephesus. I left him this letter. But, but you, you're going to have to see that Paul's trying to correct the church at Ephesus. And then Paul's trying to correct the church at Colossae. And he says, beware lest any man spoil or capture you through philosophy. I, I would hope God's people could figure out some time in the midst of your busyness to read those books this week. And read it through the eyes of an old preacher writing to a young preacher whose head was about ready to be severed in chapter, chapter, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. Paul says, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of, of righteousness. His head was going to be severed by the time you get to chapter 4. He's writing these last notes to these preachers that he loves so much. And says, guard against these things. Learn contentment. Are you content with your wife? Don't make her the problem. It's you. Are you content with your husband or you just want to live your life trying to change him? The problem's you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.